Hello and welcome back to On the Spot Thought. I'm here with the last roommate of the house, Christian McLeod. Before we get into our topic, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm Christian, as you said. Um, you know, I'm a pretty normal guy. Go to class, hobbies, you know, I like outdoor stuff. I like firearms. I like video games, coffee. Pretty normal dude. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Nothing too out of the ordinary. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, a topic for for today is actually going to be about video games and kind of uh, how how that affects people and just kind of where it's going, where it came from, and just kind of a general topic. We'll see where it takes us. But uh, you want to tell us a little bit about your background with video games? Well, like a lot of people that play games, I started with flash games mm. on the computer. Mm elementary school um you know i'd always be on mini clip or armor games what or something great like that site and then they, and then they blocked the websites and all they had was like cool math and i was like this is not this is not what i said you didn't up like for. cool math there were a couple games on cool math cool math was all right there but, was there was some that i enjoyed but i really liked uh no mini clip had some mini clip had some great yeah. games and then my first video game console was the original playstation mm-hmm. and we all had that like it was me, me and my siblings we all shared that we had the original Xbox too, um, and then I mean we had all the Xboxes, all the Playstations up until this point. Now I'm mm-hmm. mostly PlayStation. I used to I used to play PC games, like I had a nice PC that I built, mm-hmm. but I ended up selling that so I could buy a car. <laughs> and, <laughs> Important things in yeah, life. And so I'm just here at the PlayStation Four now. Yeah. So if we're gonna hop on MiniClip for a second, is there one game that kind of stood out to you on MiniClip? Uh, there was this one, it was like, you played as this, like, GI soldier, and it was like a side-scroller, mm-hmm. and you had to, like, as you progressed through the levels, it'd be, like, helicopters and stuff that you'd have to, like, defeat, okay. and, like, different enemies, and, like, I never beat the game, because I was, like, nine, <laughs> maybe. But we all, all were yeah. pretty young there, there was also this one, where it's, like, it was, like, a tank battle, and there was, like, different, like, terrain that you yeah. could... You had to like destroy or like move your tank into strategic positions, and like you took turns firing at each other. Mm-hmm. There were some sports games like here and there that I played, but those are the most memorable, probably. Yeah, I remember they always had some kind of political game going on at oh, the time. Oh yeah, and I 2008 really... election, Obama versus yeah, the yeah. White House. <laughs> I never really got that stuff because I was like, this sounds lame. Yeah, no, I I never played that. I think the one that stuck out to me was I don't know if you ever saw Motherload. It was like a mining game where you just mined, picked up resources, sold the resources, and got more money. And it was a pretty straightforward game until you got to a deep enough point. That's where it all started, and, dude. The and, mining games. Dude. It started there on Miniclip. <laughs> then there came Terraria and <laughs> Minecraft. And... The, the crazy thing about this game is you, you got deep enough, and you're talking to the, your headquarters guys. He's like, good work, keep it up. And then you start getting deeper. And he's like, yep, that's, that's good enough. You can go back. Uh, no need to go any deeper. And then, obviously, you go deeper. And he's like, whoa, buddy, you better stop there. Stop going deeper. You need to go home. You know what that reminds me of? What? I played this game a long time ago on the PC. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I think it came pre-installed in the system software. It was like one of those, like... Pre-installed games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was called Fate. And mm-hmm. it was this fantasy game. And the whole premise of it was, you're this, like... You live in this little village, right? And this village has this, like, evil dungeon Mm -hmm. that's just, like, nestled into the mountain. And 
like different people in the village would give you these objectives to like go into the dungeon and like defeat this evil monster or something. Mm -hmm. But the whole premise of it was like the dungeon had like layers or like floors. Like you go in and like every time you clear one, you go down one floor. Yeah. So like you might get a quest where you have to defeat this, you know, griffin on the fifth layer. So you have to go and go down five whole layers. And like on each layer, it's like this, like this like elaborate, like series of puzzles and, I mean, they had, like, a bunch of loot and stuff, and it was, like, a a stat-based fantasy game. Like, a lot of them, like, you had Mm -hmm. strength, you know, magic. And I always went for the strength build. Yeah. That's always been my play style ever Uh since then. I mean, I think you've noticed that with Outward. But it was a really cool game. I'm actually thinking about re-downloading it just for, like, old time's sake. Yeah. They made sequels that didn't come pre-installed. You had to, like, go buy them. Mm -hmm. I remember going with my grandpa to, like, like, Best Buy or Walmart and over to the video game section buying the install discs for those games. Yeah. And so, like, the sequels were the same thing, but there was, like, more than one village. And they were, like, you had to, like, cross realms to, like, solve some of the puzzles and find some of the bosses. And it was just... Yeah. That's where my whole fantasy craze started in terms yeah. of video games. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so, there's there's a large variety of video games out there from, you know, puzzle to action to, um, you know, fantasy to, you know, how dark souls to tetris kind of a thing right <laughs> it's kind of the large range uh where do you find yourself most enjoying video games at um more puzzle more action more turn base um i think well when i was younger like when i first started playing on consoles it was mainly first person shooters mm-hmm. i started on call of duty but then i played this game called oblivion which is the the prequel to skyrim mm-hmm. for those of that don't know that um which reminded me a lot of the game Fate that I was talking about. Yeah. And the whole premise of Oblivion is like this open world where you create your character and like you have objectives and stuff, but there's no like time constraint and there's no like barriers to do anything. So you can go anywhere and do anything and like create your own story. And so games like that I really enjoy, especially fantasy, because I think fantasy is like, it's just, I play video games because it's different from the real world. Yeah. Which is the reason I don't play sports games. Yeah. So that's why fantasy appeals to me. Yeah. Kind of a different place to go to as opposed to just living throughout the yeah. real world. Yeah. And I still like some first-person shooters. I mentioned I'm interested in firearms. So, like, yeah, simulation-type games are uh-huh. pretty cool. Like, I'm really interested in the new Call of Duty that's coming out. Mm-hmm. I played Battlefield a long time, too. Yeah. So, um, what would you say some of the pros and cons are to playing by yourself and playing with others? Oh, uh, let's see. Playing by yourself, um, pros are, it gives you a lot of opportunity to have, like, self-reflective time, like, personal time inside your own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's like some of those games with these, like, really intense, interesting stories that you just find so fascinating are even better when you share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in middle school, I moved around a lot, so, like, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time by myself um, playing games like like Skyrim, for example. I probably logged a 1,000 hours into that game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, I remember, like, every detail about it, but it's, like, I never experienced it with somebody because it's a single-player game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know if that's bad because, obviously, a game like that wasn't created to be experienced with other people. 
Um, the pros to playing with other people, I think it adds a whole nother layer of interest because like, as I get older, I find myself like it's harder and harder for me to sit down and play a game mm-hmm. that's single player. I mean, especially finishing game. I'm really bad at finishing games. Mm-hmm. Um, but like outward, like the game we're playing, like I bought that when it came out in March, played it for like a month and just got caught up with other stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm playing it with somebody, it's like a lot, there's a lot more incentive to do things because you're experiencing it with someone, which mm-hmm. is just a lot different than by yourself. And it's split screen. So it's like, it gives you that old timey video game yeah. feel. Yeah. How do you think the dynamic changes when you're playing with someone in a split screen um, environment as opposed to playing with them online? Well, especially when it's co-op and not like a fighting game, like mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of multiplayer. Like co-op, it's really cool because like, for example, the game Outward, when I first got it, I tried to play it co-op with my friend Grant online. Mm-hmm. But Outward is a game in which like if you defeat a boss and like you loot it, he has, you know, a certain amount of loot. It's not like one person loots it and he gets the magic sword and the other person also gets it. There's only one. Mm-hmm. And so it would be really easy for Grant to just be like, oh, he didn't have anything because he <laughs> looted him and then just, like, oh, it's empty. It's like, there was nothing there. Like that <laughs> boss was empty, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like with you and I, it's cool because like it helps that we have different builds. So there's mm-hmm. not really competition for the same resources because mm-hmm. like, I mean, we're at the point right now where, like, if we defeat, you know, a, a hyena, you take the meat and I take the hide. It's just, yeah. like, we don't have to talk about it. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, you didn't, anything magic-related is is reserved for you. And anything, like, combat with, like, weapons and armor. Like, it's just, it's way better, I think. Mm-hmm. Because when, when you're split-screen, it feels like when you're sitting there next to your friend, which is different than playing online not that playing online is bad yeah but sitting next to your friend it's just like it's a little more tangible yeah of an experience they're right there they can see everything going on right there's the whole hey look at my screen <laughs> yeah 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 like if i'm looking at something I'd be like hey look at this look, yeah. look at my screen yeah so i think that's really cool um yeah oh what was i tell you what though split screen sucks when you're doing competitive multiplayer <laughs> like if you're playing halo screen peeking what? yeah screen no, peeking is thing. garbage it's not a thing that. Growing up, like I was always at the disadvantage because I was just like younger and not as like good. But my brother would always scream peek and just find me. I'm just like, it made me it's so part mad. of the game, buddy. No, <laughs> <laughs> that was always like, hey, okay, we're gonna do four player, um, split screen for Black Ops multiplayer, right? Now not online, but like just a local match. No split screen. Uh, no, no screen peeking. Okay. <laughs> As if that wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> it's like how do you how do you regulate that? <laughs> we were know? playing with some of our cousins and their friends, and one of the guys, there was this in the map. There's an elevator, and so he would see someone get on the elevator on their screen. He'd run to the elevator, place a claymore at the entrance, and so when the elevator opened, they would die. <laughs> like, hey, you screen peeked. He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking. About. Prove it. <laughs> you see him running to the elevator. <laughs> I like those games where it's, where it's like it's usually two dimensional games like, um, like Broforce for example, when, it's like, you have two characters, but they share the same screen like the same boundary. Yeah. Although sometimes that can be irritating when like one person's trying to move, 
to like the next area, but the other person's like on the other side of the screen. Yeah. And like it, the screen doesn't really know who to follow. Yeah. Like, but most of the time it works pretty well. Yeah. I same, feel like. Same issue with Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Um, we played that when we were younger, so there was the whole like, hey, let's move on. Then the other guy's running backwards in the yeah. screen like, we ain't moving anywhere until we go back here. And then it resulted in killing your teammate just to progress through the game. <laughs> <laughs> but entertaining stories, looking back on them. In the moment, I can't imagine I was as happy as <laughs> yeah. think about it now. I think one of the cool things about uh, doing a multiplayer, like a co-op game where you're moving through a story together is you kind of get this adventure with the person you're going through. Yeah. And you get familiar with their play style, and you get into a rhythm of things. So we've kind of had that going with Outward. I know I played me, my younger brother, and my cousin, Nate. We played um, Minecraft a lot when we were in high school occasionally. We'd play online and start a map. And we'd always just fit into the same roles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, someone here, someone here farms, someone here gets all the resources, and then, you know, we kind of build from there. And... It was just comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good time. But uh, really random story. Have you ever played Halo Reach? Oh, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You know how if you're playing a game in Halo Reach, it'll start the countdown. It'll be like five. Four, and the screen will get darker, right? Until it's like pitch black yeah. at one. But if you press B, it'll restart the timer. Just like a Destiny. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're like trying to like launch. You're yeah. Like, it's orbiting, and everybody's like, who's pressing B? I was, I was playing with Nate, and he was a bit of a hothead back then, but... <laughs> we were playing and I was just talking with him and I was pressing B right at like zero-ish every <laughs> single time and we were talking for like five minutes and then he just stops he's like wait 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 wait, and he just stops and he watches the screen and it's like five four three two one B and he's like who is doing that <laughs> he's just like who's doing it I know <laughs> I, like, I don't know what you're talking about, Nate. <laughs> I had that problem all the time. I mean, I say problem, but a lot of times it was me. Yeah. We'd be in orbit in Destiny, me and my raid buddies. Yeah. <laughs> it's all like, you know, talking and gossiping and whatnot. And then three, two, <laughs> it's like, who's doing it? It's like, yeah, who's doing it? I, like, I don't I'm, know. I'm there. <laughs> oh, it's fun stuff. I. What do you think an advantage of video games is that you wouldn't get necessarily in a different hobby um well obviously video games is something anybody can do for the most part um i mean like sports for example is usually um, you gotta have to some, to some extent it's limited to people with some some sort of athletic ability mm -hmm. um but video games it doesn't matter really who you are Mm -hmm. As long as you're like, you, I mean, you understand the technology, which most people do. Yeah. Unless you're like 30,000 years old, then you can sort of understand yeah. how that works. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, what else? Let's see. It's really like, it's kind of like like books and movies because there's so many different genres. Like there's something for everybody mm -hmm. for the most part. Also, I think um, a good example would be horror games. I think it's like, it amplifies the experience because if you watch a horror movie, there's a certain thing that's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? And everybody experiences it the same way because you have no control over it. Whereas if you're playing a horror game, you are the antagonist. You know, you, you take that controller and that's who you are mm -hmm. for that time being. So it's much more scary. 
because it feels like that horror experience is happening to you and you have to make the decisions to like solve that issue yeah which i think is just terrifying but like in a good way yeah and while there's a set path it's not going to get accomplished unless you look at the screen and move towards right. the path whereas like a movie if you don't like a certain part you can look away yeah, you just close your eyes or something if you look away in the video game you're dead yeah. <laughs> you have to restart but i'm super excited for advancements in vr technology because i oh, think that's yeah. going to completely change the horror genre because it's going to take that like personal experience of like experiencing horror and just make it like tenfold more terrifying because mm-hmm. not only are you going to be doing it but you're not seeing behind a screen anymore or like you're not going to perceive that it's going to feel like you are there and you're about to die yeah and if you don't do something <laughs> you're going to die for real it's yeah. like the matrix like you just <laughs> i played a, a really crappy like demo horror game on the cardboard vr mm-hmm. or like the phone and it was bad quality not really a great story. They just chuck you in a room and then they give you a couple of jump scares with a doll. But that was terrifying. <laughs> just because I it was in VR yeah. and it was different from like playing on a screen. And so it, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when it, it's at a higher quality than it is now. Yeah. I was at Dave and Buster's uh like last winter. Yeah. And big fan of that place. Yeah, they had this uh this like VR exhibit and what it was is like a Jurassic Park themed thing. And so it's almost like a ride. Like you sit down in this little like thing and you put mm-hmm. on your mask and your character is in a Jeep. And so they use this like fan that they blow on your face to like give you the sensation that the Jeep is driving and you have wind blowing on your face. Yeah. And there's like dinosaurs jumping <laughs> everywhere. It's just terrifying. It's like, it wasn't like insane quality or anything, but yeah. like it was enough to where like with the move, like the rocking of the ride that made you feel like the Jeep was like going through the jungle and like the fan. Mm-hmm. made it feel like it was happening and that's all it took yeah which is rel- relatively primitive in terms of like what vr will be mm-hmm. you know in like 10 years or whatever i do think there is there's a cutoff to reality that you need to stop at i we went and watched a 4d presentation when i was down in texas visiting my cousins and it was just going over kind of some of the history of texas but what they had is they had these gadgets in the theater and in your seats that would go off randomly to give you the full 4D experience. So, for example, they there's a bull riding section. When it showed the person on the on the bull ride, they had these like um, knobs underneath your chair or sticks that would just poke you in the butt <laughs> as you're sitting there. I don't know if I like. And that. I'm like, I don't I don't like this at all. You're like, what the heck? And then the bowl like spit into the screen and there was a spray that like spit into your face that's gross (laughs) i did something like that i can't remember what it was but it was like they had a lot of stuff that was i was at i think it was at disney or something and and they had like this like insect themed exhibit i think it had something with like a bug's life or something but Mm -hmm. they had this one thing where like a bug sprayed the screen and there was this stench, and I was like, "This is that's the this worst." Is gar- like, I, I don't want this. All right, <laughs> I don't care how realistic this is. This smells awful. <laughs> yeah, so I think they they definitely should cut it off eventually, um, or at least give you like a like a like a itinerary of what oh, yeah, yeah. you're going to be experiencing. Do you want to smell all the smells yeah. in this game? No, I really don't. <laughs> 
but I think it will be cool when they start kind of moving further along. And there, there's all those different ideas for how it's gonna work. You know, like uh, Ready Player One. I don't know if you watched that, where they have the they have the full suit that will um, pinpoint your body when you make physical contact in the game. So like if something hits your shoulder, the suit will like indent essentially uh-huh. and give you that feeling like something's touching your shoulder. Um, so that's interesting. I feel like that'd be pretty advanced technology. Right. And I, I don't know where we'd fall with that. There are other games where it's just like, you know, you have the gloves and then maybe the shoes or something mm-hmm. like that. I've um, seen uh, stuff online about like these really elaborate controllers for VR first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially this harness that you wear and there's like a like a treadmill trackpad underneath you. So like mm-hmm. your feet movements are tracked in the game as well. And the controller is just like literally a rifle. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool. Obviously, that's going to be pretty inaccessible to a lot of people for the time being. Yeah, that's expensive. Yeah, it'll be expensive until until VR becomes affordable. It won't be mainstream. Yeah. Like it's always going to be a niche thing until it becomes accessible to most people mm-hmm. that already play video games. And it's not going to become that accessible until we reach a point where we better understand VR as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's still gonna be you know highest of quality and then the accessible quality. Yeah, I think it'll be cool to uh, to see like what because like the things that we think are advanced now in ten years we're gonna be like what is like that's where we started and we're here now because mm-hmm. like I remember I remember when I first played that game Oblivion I was talking about like these graphics are incredible. Yeah, but then I played Skyrim. I was like, "These graphics are incredible." But yeah. now I look back at Skyrim, which came out in 2011. Yeah, and it looks like claymation <laughs> in comparison to some of the other stuff. Oh nowadays. yeah, it is impressive how they keep increasing, and like with TV, they keep coming up with better and better quality. But it's almost reaching the point where you can't really tell a difference. Like if you look at 4K and you look at 8K, mm-hmm. yes, 8K is clearer. But not to the point where I'm gonna spend yeah. five thousand bucks to get that clearer image. Not only that, but it's like, you know, your eye can only perceive so much of detail anyway. Yeah. So at some point, twice as many pixels isn't gonna mean anything yeah. for some people. Yeah. So I, I am curious how that's gonna change the whole like. Uh, as an adult, will we not understand the controllers of our children? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not excited <laughs> for that. Because <laughs> there will be too many buttons or something. <laughs> There are plenty of buttons as is. Yeah. But it is kind of interesting to see where that's going to head up. Um, when will we reach that point when our kids know more about the current technology than we do? Yeah. What I'm not excited for, um, in addition to that, is... So so I saw this this uh, demo of, an, of like a game engine, right, mm-hmm. on YouTube. And it was so, like the graphics and the shaders and the lighting... Mm-hmm. was so realistic in this demo that they put it next to like a real scene that the demo was based off of mm-hmm. and it was very difficult for me to determine which one was real so with that said like that's cool that they can get that close to like something that looks real yeah i think that'll have a negative impact on like games that are that tend to be really gory yeah. Like for example, I played Mortal Kombat when I was a kid and it was like no big deal because like it's it was it was pretty primitive in terms of yeah. gore, but like I look at some of the more recent Mortal Kombat games mm-hmm. and they make me like sick to my stomach. Yeah. 
like the graphics are almost too good to like just like some of this gore it feels like it's actually there and it's just like i, I feel like, i feel like that. that's not going to be good for like kids in the future yeah and i've always been like the kind of person that says you know video games don't cause violence because i mm-hmm. really believe they don't but at the same time i believe if it gets to that point of realism it may not cause violence but it will definitely like taint like it, it'll it'll incent like make them become more numb to yeah yeah it's just things, like you know like it because it like me as a video gamer that has played games like that since the beginning and now, like, as a veteran seasoned video gamer or whatever, seeing that stuff making me queasy, like, mm-hmm. what is that going to do to, like, a new gamer in 20 years? Yeah. And I think you can definitely increase the quality and make it look more realistic without causing the gore to be more realistic. Right. In some games, I guess they're seeking that. If you're looking for, like, a horror game, you kind of want a little bit of that. But um, some of those fantasy games, you can make the um, the animations for battle different than in realism to the animations for right. the rest of the world. Um, so you can definitely do that. You can still flo- uh, throw in like flashy <laughs> bright lights on attacks and stuff like that right. um, to keep things interesting as well. Yeah. And I think it helps a lot with fantasy games because like when there's magic involved, oh, magic. you can just put particle effects yeah. everywhere and it doesn't look real. Yeah. So it's just easy. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, it looks less violent when you're throwing a uh, <laughs> ball of fire at them. Right, yeah. <laughs> you just don't really think about the implications of that. <laughs> but, but yeah, so have you found yourself playing any puzzle games um, or any of the games that include the puzzles? Do you find the puzzles to be annoying or do you kind of enjoy the puzzles? It really depends. Mm-hmm. I... I very seldom play a puzzle game just for the puzzle. Like, Portal was good because the puzzles were challenging and interesting, but that's not why I played it. I played it because the story was good. Yeah. And, like, you have, like, these pretty elementary puzzles in, like, games like Skyrim where you have to, like, spin the pillars on, like, the door. Mm-hmm. Those were always just kind of an obstacle to me because they didn't really have any meaning other than to just slow you down. Yeah. Um... There's this one game I played, really small indie game, called Ether One. Mm. It's like got this really pretty art style, like not realistic at all, but like it's very artistic, with this really really deep story. But the puzzles, it was it was the hardest puzzle game I've ever played. It's a first person game, mm-hmm. and you exist in this. Like, the whole premise is you're this. You work for this company that, like, tries to restore people's memories that have dementia. Mm -hmm. And so your character is called the Restorer. And you basically go into their minds and try to, like, collect these fragments to put their memories back together. Mm -hmm. And so going into their minds, you get this really artistic rendition of what their mind looks like. But within their mind, because you're trying to search for these fragments and put back together, that is inherently a puzzle. And some of these environments were just so complicated. There were so many little details mm-hmm. that it took me like a month to complete. And there were times yeah. where I'd get pretty impatient, but like yeah. the story was just so good that I had a lot of motivation to solve these puzzles to figure out why like I needed to solve that puzzle. Yeah. And story plays a, a big role in games. You know, yeah. you, you want to be able to hop into the game and enjoy it as a whole, and you want to 
feel a part of that game. It's a lot easier to do that when there's a story as opposed to multiplayer Call of Duty. Right. <laughs> when there's not really story other than you're a, uh, you're a soldier and you're out to um, kill the other people. But would you find yourself leaning more towards story in a game or um, gameplay? Um, I think it depends on the genre. Um, if it's fantasy, which is my favorite genre, it's definitely going to be story mostly. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think you need both in order to call it a good game. Mm-hmm. I played this game called Dead Island a while ago, like this open world zombie game. Pretty cool idea. You're like on vacation and like a zombie outbreak happens on an island, so it's quarantined. Mm-hmm. Like the whole world's like watching what's happening, like with the survivors. The story was total junk. And the voice yeah. acting was terrible, <laughs> but the gameplay was so much fun that I couldn't stop playing it. Mm-hmm. And like all the game mechanics of like upgrading your weapons and like discovering Easter eggs, and like that was all a ton of fun. But the story was just total garbage. Yeah. Whereas you take another zombie game, The Last of Us, which has you know one of the greatest stories of of gaming. Period. Mm-hmm. Combine that with with like decent gameplay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough to where it enhanced the game and the story Mm -hmm. like to me that's what makes a good game is a game with a great story and good game mechanics yeah you know what i mean it's like story outweighing the game mechanics but game mechanics still being enjoyable enough to um pursue that no a lot of people put graphics pretty high on their priority list like yeah people want good graphics good gameplay and good story but for me gameplay and story are first Mm-hmm. And graphics comes last because I've played so many small games from small developers that have okay graphics, but that didn't have any effect on my enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Like Outward, for example, like the graphics are nothing to write home about. Yeah. But they're good enough to to where it doesn't like lessen the experience, you know? Yeah. And like how much would it add to have better graphics? Maybe a little bit. But not a whole lot. Yeah. Know? To me, it would be negligible. Mm-hmm. I would rather have better like animation or sound design than Mm -hmm. great graphics yeah and and like for me a lot of graphics doesn't really hinder me unless it's um, one of those older games that are trying to replicate um, a real world situation in a first person environment like i can play i can play 8-bit games i can play 16-bit games or um, games that are looking for a more tunish style or aren't trying to exactly replicate um now, that's why I had a hard time playing some of those earlier um, Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. Um, because in their time, they completely surpassed the boundaries of everything else and were the most realistic game of the time. But as the next installments got right. better and better, the last installments are just kind of pushing that. And so it's kind of hard to get into that for me. Right. See, but, that's the difference between like having an artistic art style mm-hmm. and trying to be realistic. Yeah. Because when you're trying to be realistic, at some point in time down the road, it's not going to be realistic anymore. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times that artistic style can stick with it for oh, yeah. years because it's, it's, it's just timeless. art. Yeah. Like Minecraft. Like nobody complains yeah. <laughs> about the Minecraft graphics. It's literally just blocks. It's literally blocks and pixels and nobody <laughs> complains about it. Nobody, yeah. Because that's just the style of the game. Yeah. You know? okay. If they were trying to be realistic about it, people would be complaining about it by now. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine a realistic looking Minecraft. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think it came out like what oh nine or something. Oh yeah, yeah. like totally, totally behind in terms of graphics. But nobody, yeah, you know, they're not trying to have good graphics. <laughs> and they have mods to make it look 
better. Oh but yeah. It, and... it, it's not the point of the game. The point of the game is to know, you know, build and be creative. And I think that's what appeals to a lot of people in Minecraft is the is the fact that you can be creative in whatever way you want, and the game won't hurt you for that. Not only that, but it appeals to like almost all age ranges. Like anybody oh, yeah. that plays video games can enjoy Minecraft for the most part. Yeah, to some extent. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, we're grown men and we play it and we enjoy it. Whereas my, you know, seven-year-old brother plays it and does yeah. it the same way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like SpongeBob. It's like the humor is encompasses such a large age range, whereas Minecraft is like the game itself. Yeah, just encompasses a large age range. Yeah, which is why it's been so successful. Yeah, I mean, Second, you make a horror only game to Tetris. Yeah, whereas if you make a horror game, you know, it's going to appeal to like a certain crowd. Yeah. Not everyone wants to do that. <laughs> right, yeah. My seven-year-old brother probably doesn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I I saw something interesting about horror games, and it was uh, a video analyzing if it was healthy to get that many, like, jump scares and kind of your body being terrified for that period of time. And the conclusion was it's not, um, it's not as frightening of an experience to be harmful, and it's actually just enough to be healthy for you. <laughs> Because it keeps, um, it activates circulation right. in a way that, oh, or keeps your heart um, active. I can't remember the exact specifics about it, but um, keeps your heart um, pumping and active and prepared for stuff like that. And right. So it's actually a uh, healthy to do that from time to time and to get a get an occasional scare. And so, I guess like if you want to talk about like the primal, you know, purpose of being scared was to like like trigger instinctual responses. Mm-hmm. And then, like, today's world where there's not as much to be scared of, you know, there's no, we don't have predators or anything, so it's mm-hmm. like, people yeah. don't get scared as often. It's like if you're older and you haven't been scared in 10 years, and then you get scared by something, you might have a heart attack. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you're getting scared frequently, obviously, like what you said, your heart's going to be healthier and more prepared yeah. for that. Which is kind of cool. Saving people's lives. <laughs> Horror games save <laughs> lives. <laughs> yeah. But I think video games has had such a, a big impact on a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, that's why you kind of see s- some of the newer movies replicating video games to some extent. Even the, um, um, like, Candy Crush was big yeah. for a lot of people that wouldn't call themselves gamers. Yeah, mobile gaming is getting huge. It's big. And it's just something they can do. They want to do something in their free time, but mm-hmm. they don't want to sit down and, you know, join the gaming community and play stuff like that. Yeah, they don't want to label themselves a gamer <laughs> yeah. quite I'm yet. not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. I just play uh, Candy Crush. Yeah, it's <laughs> all... It's not a game. <laughs> it's not a game. Yeah, mobile gaming is interesting because you have just those games, Candy Crush, uh, uh, Tetris, you know, just those easy-to-play mobile games you play yeah. for a bit and you get off. And then there was a push, you know, a while back for more advanced mobile games. Back, I'm talking like the Infinity Blade games. Oh, yeah. Were really pushing the boundaries of what a mobile game could be. And those did an excellent job. And I would I would label them as one of my favorite mobile game series just because of how well they did all of that. Um, but you don't see as much of that anymore. I think they came out with like a Call of Duty mobile game. Oh yeah, that's so pretty popular that was, too. I think that was that's actually pretty. They even good. did like Fortnite mobile, I think. Yeah, they did Fortnite mobile. A lot of people did that. Um, so mobile is is interesting because it doesn't people don't really qualify mobile in the gaming community, so yeah. to speak. Um, but there's definitely still games that you can do right. on the phone and. Have tablet. you? Would you consider yourself like a 
like a mobile gamer? Like, do you do that frequently enough to call yourself that? Or like, what's your opinion on mobile games? Like for you? Um, for me, I wouldn't call myself a mobile gamer. I hardly ever play um, games on my phone, especially nowadays. If I have time to play a game, I'm going to play something on the computer or try to play with someone else. Um, I find mobile games not to be as satisfying as the yeah. other games. There's not enough to them. And I, I'm big on story, too. I really enjoy the story of a game. And there's usually not enough story packed in those mobile games. And so I see it as not a good use of my time. Right. But I think it's good for those trying to fill time in a certain space. Like if I'm stuck waiting in line at the DMV or I'm sitting in a chair, you know, just I have to be here for an hour and a half mm -hmm. and I have nothing to do. I'll whip out a game on my phone or read something. But yeah. um, I wouldn't call myself a mobile gamer, but I do think it has its, has its advantages. Mm -hmm. What about you? Oh, I would say no. I mean, there's games I've played you know, here and there, but mm -hmm. my biggest thing is, like, for gaming, for me, if I'm going to play a game, I want to, like, be intentional about it and set aside time for it, because mm -hmm. I find myself, like, recently trying to just look at my phone less and less and live more in the moment, Yeah. and so to me, if there's time to kill, I wouldn't want to just stare at my phone mm -hmm. for that, you know, unless it's, like, I got to answer an email or something, but yeah. when it comes to games, because, like I said, I'm more a story type person there are not a lot of mobile games with like intense stories yeah. so i usually try to set aside time specifically for playing video games for mm -hmm. like you know a me time kind of thing yeah and i think we're a lot of people that get over enveloped with video games um, where they fall short is that instead of treating it like a hobby that they're going to spend their free time in they let it seep into the time they should be spending with right. other things. And that's kind of what draws them down. Mm -hmm. But video games, like any other hobby, you can use it as your hobby. You know, you have three hours to chill and you want to use it as a hobby, you play video games. You right. Um, some people want to knit. Some people will um, underwater basket weave. <laughs> and you know that popular, power, man. power to them. Not a big thing here at K-State. Yeah. But, but yeah, if, if it's treated as a hobby and treated with that respect that you'd give a hobby and you don't let it overpower your life i think it's definitely a healthy way to relax and to um, enjoy things and i had talked about in my first podcast just how there's a lot of creativity that goes into creating games that you wouldn't normally think oh, about yeah. i mean people people used to like older people used to think of gaming as like this toxic thing because it used to be only it, it was kind of a niche like most people didn't play video games and it was just like mm -hmm. the hardcore gamers that played them yeah but now it's pretty mainstream and it's like almost every household has a gaming system you mm -hmm. know if you've got a young person in your house they play some sort of game whether it be mobile or pc or mm -hmm. you know on a playstation like me it's just like it's a lot more mainstream now so it's not as looked down upon as it used to be yeah which is which is good to see i mean and i think one of the cool things is like reading a book or looking at art that other people have drawn, you can kind of appreciate the creators, the creators that go into a yeah. video game. Looking around, I know you do that a lot more than I do it sometimes, but when we play an outward and we see something, you're like, wow, what would it take to design that? Yeah, like somebody game? had to program <laughs> yeah. that. Like some graphic artist had to do this, and then, yeah. you know, some, you know, computer scientist had to like write out the physics engine for this game. Like, yeah. That's incredible. It's awesome. And I always like it always makes me sad when art is looked down upon because that's what it is. It's art, you mm -hmm. know. It's entertainment, but it's also art. 
you know, making a game is that's entirely artistic in my opinion. Oh yeah. A lot of art goes into it. You have the story, you have the gameplay, and then those are usually what appeal to people. But sometimes I'll see a game and it looks like it has intriguing story and it just has just gorgeous art. Oh right? yeah. And so I sometimes I'm drawn to that. Like I just want to play that sometime to appreciate what was put into this. Right. A lot of people don't see that. A lot of people see video games and put them in that category of, you don't have a life. You're playing video games. Oh, yeah. Games, and it's like, know? that's the same person that will, you know, watch TV. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, is less engaging than playing a video game. Yeah. You know, because you're still staring at a screen, but you're not, like, doing anything yeah. other than looking at it. It's crazy to think that video games is kind of, you know, video games and TV, if you look at it from just a, a point blank stance, you're both of them, you're not doing anything in the outside world right Right. you're not accomplishing anything in the outside world but video games gets a worse rep than tv does right um or at least it did in the past and still a little bit now just because everyone watched tv Mm -hmm. but not everyone played video games and so video games was the time waster and i think we're starting to see a change in that Mm -hmm. as time goes on there's actually been a lot of studies about that you know like people that play first person shooters are known to have like better decision making like skills under stress you know better reflexes they're able to see you know details in their environment because that's what's required to be successful in a game like that you know yeah which i think is cool like to think that playing video games you might not be doing anything in the outside world but it still gives you skills yeah useful skills that anybody could use you know reflexes or something anybody could use yeah problem solving for the ones that give you um, a bunch of puzzles and stuff like that just ways to think outside of the box I mean, you think about like a massive, like an MMO, for example, like Elder Scrolls Online. You know, if you're a guild leader and you've got <laughs> 50 people in your guild and you're about to raid this castle, you're like using leadership skills to do that. You know, <laughs> like people never think of that, yeah. but that's a skill that you can develop while playing video games. Yeah, it is. And while it's not a direct translation into the real world, there is a little bit of translation yeah. there. Like for sure. just because you're a good guild leader doesn't mean that you're going to be a, a good real yeah, world you're, you leader. You might not be a great business owner, but, but I mean, it's... you still have more leadership skills than you probably did in the right. past just because of your ability to do that. And then if you're constantly talking online with people, I guess you could learn a couple social skills. Oh, I mean, you know what I've learned? <laughs> yeah. I've noticed this in myself. I used to play games with this guy from England. Uh-huh. His name was Ryan Frampton. And... Like, before I started playing with him, I had a terrible time understanding English in other accents. Mm-hmm. But now, I can understand English in almost any accent without issue because I've played with people from around the world. Yeah. And, like, those, I've never met these people in person. But because I've experienced, like, games with them online, I can, you know, meet somebody that's from Scotland. Whereas most people might not be able to understand them. I can understand them mm-hmm. easily just because yeah. I played with people like that. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a lot, a lot more to video games than people usually let on. But um, as you're saying, you do, we are seeing kind of a change in that. Um, I think the first big change that you saw was back with the Wii. The Wii brought a lot of non-gamers to play yeah. video games because the Wii tried to be more accessible to yeah. that. And like, it's not a controller; it's a Wii mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll hold this and just do things, right? And it's perfect. And so that kind of brought a different um, genre in. Had some parents trying to pick up video games. <laughs> yeah, because they had, you had Wii Sports and they had yeah. Wii Fit. And then, like, I mean, I, I have a funny story about Wii Sports. <laughs> yeah, do tell. So 
this is the reason you should use a strap on your Wii remote, okay? <laughs> we were bowling, right? We bowling. We have one of those big boxy old TVs, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, I, you know, I did my turn, and then my brother comes up with his Wii remote, no strap on. Big mistake. And he goes to bowl, and he and he throws his controller at the screen and breaks the TV. <laughs> Like that's why they have the strap. <laughs> Wear your strap. <laughs> that's that's a tough situation to be a part of. Into the you screen. just chuck it and you're like, uh, uh. <laughs> and then we never even got to see what the result of his oh that oh. was. <laughs> that would have been nice if it held on just long enough to be like strike. <laughs> and then he just the TV just shuts yeah. off. Oh, well, that's an unfortunate situation. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good story. Though. Well, I think I'm gonna cut us off. Um, kind of reaching that time of the podcast. But do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share about video games? Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you don't play video games, if you have any sort of stigma against them, for those of you listening, give it a try. Find mm-hmm. some that you like in like movies or books and find that genre in video games and give it a try. Mm-hmm. You might be surprised. Yeah, awesome. Uh, do you have any shout-outs you'd like to give here at the end? Um, No, I don't think so. Not okay. off the top of my head. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always down to talk about video games. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, well, everyone have a have a great day and a great rest of your week.